Thank God for that. We get started here this morning. We're going to be in our second week of a new series. But just to get us going and get us introduced into what we're going to get into today, we have something uh, a little different for you to watch. And so we wanted just to take a, f- a couple of minutes, just about three minutes, for us to watch something. It may be something in review. It may be something that you've already has seen before. But it will help us in what it is that we're going to, to get into here today. So our guys are ready. They have to do some switchover from one part of the service to the other part of the service to get us ready for that. We ready to roll? Here we go. Terrific. Well, I mean, there's really just the one. Victoria. You don't like Victoria? She looks like a hyena. Is this true? No. Sort of. Yeah. Just a little bit. But no. <laughs> hey, tell them what you did. Dad. Tell them about the radio show. Go ahead. Dad. I want to hear it. Go ahead. Tell them. Tell them. Christmas Eve, he phones in one of those radio call-in shows, tells them, I need a new wife. Oh, you're kidding. That's so sweet. Now he's obsessed with this one woman who wrote me. Are you serious? Yeah, she wants to meet me at the top of the Empire State Building. On Valentine's Day. Well, it's like that movie. What movie? And it's fair to remember it. Did you ever see it? Oh, God. Cary Grant and Deborah Carr. Is it Carr or Kerr? Kerr. Carr. Okay. She's going to meet him at the top of the Empire State Building. Only she got hit by a taxi. And he waited and waited. And it was raining, I think. And then she's too proud to tell him that she's uh, crippled. And he's too proud to find out why she doesn't come. But he comes to see her anyway. I forget why, but oh... Oh, so amazing when he comes to see her because he doesn't even notice that she doesn't get up to say hello and he's very bitter and you think that he's just gonna walk out the door and never know why she's just lying there you know like on the couch with this blanket over her shriveled little legs and are you alright? It's fine. And suddenly, he goes, I oh, saw the painting. And he, he, like, goes to the bedroom. And he looks, and he comes out, and he looks at her, and he kind of just, they know. And then they hug, and it's That's a chick's movie. I would say so. What kind of a person would write to someone they heard on the radio? Oh, I got hundreds of letters from women all over the country. Desperate women. Just because someone is looking for a nice guy, it doesn't make them desperate. How about rapacious and love-starved? No. It is easier to be killed by a terrorist than to find a husband after the... That is absolutely untrue. Right, honey. Right. Well, I'm not looking for a mail-order bride. I just want somebody that I can have a decent conversation with over dinner, you know, without it falling down into weepy tears over some movie that you just saw. very emotional. Although I cried at the end of the Dirty Dozen. Well, who didn't? If Jim Brown was throwing these hand grenades down these air, air shafts, and Richard Jekyll and Lee Marvin were sitting on top of this armored uh, personnel carrier that dressed up like Nazis and Trini Lopez. He busted his neck with their parachuting down behind the Nazi line. Stop it. Richard Jekyll at the beginning he had on his shiny helmet because he was EMP. Please don't move. Oh, God, I love that movie.
brought that up here today for you for this reason. You have two groups of people there at the table, the men and the women. And what speaks to the feelings of the woman does not speak to the feelings of the men. And what speaks to the feelings of the men does not speak to the feelings of the women. Two different groups, two different wavelengths, enjoying two very different things. I do enjoy the way they describe the war movie as if it was a tearjerker. That's kind of fun. But sometimes we are in the same wavelength with God, in that God is speaking on one wavelength and we are hearing one another. And we speak to God on a wavelength, but He can't hear it on that. We touch God by faith, by His Word, and through His Spirit. But very often we want to touch God by need, by feelings, by emotion. This is not how we touch God. This is not how we reach God. This is not how we believe for things that we need and how we change what's going on in our lives. We read three verses of Scripture, or three uh, sections of Scripture last time. Proverbs 20, verse 27, The Spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. That's how God set it up. It is your spirit that is the lamp. In John 16, verse 13, from the New Century Version, But when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit... When the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak His own words, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is to come. That the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not only to speak truth to you, but will also tell you of things that are to come to get you ready. John, 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because they are... Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Last week we looked at the many different voices that are around to speak to us and how we need to sift through them and sort them, sort through them. If we discern, if we learn to discern the voice of God over all the other voices, we will never be led astray. We will never be led into anything false. Everything we believe will be true. And our lives can change drastically. We said we heard from three different directions. We gave you that triangle. In the uh, outline last time, if you weren't here last week, you can either download that from the Internet. We have the outlines up there. Or you can uh, see if there's an extra one in the back. But up at the top, we put God. God is one who wants to influence us and direct us. To the left, we put others, other people. How many of you all know other people? Try and direct you and influence you and move you. And to the other side, we put my mind. Your mind, your thoughts, your emotions all try to influence you to go in a direction. Satan's kingdom is trying to influence you through others and through your mind. God wants to influence you also by these, these areas, through other people and through your mind. But you've got to sort through them. You've got to let the Word of God renew your mind. You've got to listen to what other people have to say and determine, is this from God? We said that God sends His influence by three sources. First, His Word, His Spirit, and His servants. His Word his spirit, and his servant. Satan's kingdom sends its influence by fear, by pressure, and by false doctrine. Other, there's other things you could probably add to that list. Where I just gave you three main ones. Fear, when fear motivates you, when pressure from other people motivates you, when pressure, if you don't do this now, you're going to lose it. False doctrine, if he can get you to believe something false, he can get you into doubt. These are things that he wants to do to move you. 
when these things, when these influences come from other places, we need to first off determine its source, determine its content, what does it have right now, and determine its benefit, what future benefit, what future implications, what future things can it bring for me. So those are just some of the things we went over last time. If you'll turn over into your Bibles, into John chapter 6, verse 22, you can either turn there or you can look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. There's a lot to get out of this particular area of Scripture. We're not really going to delve into everything. We're going after this for a particular purpose, a particular thing in the area of hearing the voice of God and discerning His voice over others. On the following day, when the people were all standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except the one which His disciple had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but His disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from... Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. This happens just after they were fed on the feeding of the 5,000. Remember Jesus uh, said to his disciples, we can't send them away, we need to feed them. The people had stayed there to hear message after message after message. Jesus was ministering, Jesus was teaching, they were hungry for the word. And Jesus says, uh, we can't send them away right now. We, we need to feed them. And he says, you feed them. And, of course, the multiplying of the bread and the fishes had gone on. Well, apparently they didn't leave after that. They still stayed around. And so they were still there. They saw that the disciples got into the boat, but that Jesus did not. So they didn't head over because Jesus was still here. He's the one that they wanted to be around. In verse 26, then Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Don't most people seek after signs? But they already had a sign. They had 5,000 people fed with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. That's quite a sign. He says, you're not seeking me because of the sign, but for food. Basically what it was. Now, they didn't start off this way. They started off coming after Jesus because they wanted the word. And this is not just your general group of Pharisees, scribes, and and so forth, people that were religious leaders. These folks, later on in this uh, passage, we're going to see it, they are described, described as Jesus' disciples. There may be other people in the group beside that, but there are the 12 disciples, and there are the multitudes of uh, people that followed him that were called disciples. Jesus picked his 12 from the disciples that followed after him. There were others beside that. And we saw that after Judas betrayed Jesus, they took from all those who still followed after Jesus all his days to pick someone who had been there to testify the things that Jesus did. So there are other people beside the 12 who followed him. This is that group. The group of people who followed after Jesus. Not the religious leaders that were trying to cause him to stumble. Trying to cause him to to get messed up. That's not the group. These are disciples. There may be some other people mixed in, but these are people that are hungry for the word. And they came to Jesus hungry for the word. And they listened to the word. They heard the word. And then uh, they heard the word so long, they didn't want to leave. They kept hearing more word. Jesus said, we need to feed them. And so they fed them. And all of a sudden, something changed on the inside of them. Instead of pursuing Jesus because of the miracles, because of the teaching, They pursued him because, hey, we can get fed. Maybe we don't have to go to work anymore. Maybe we can just stay here and Jesus will feed us. He'll teach us and will feed us and he'll teach us and he'll feed us and he'll teach us and he'll feed us. 
And so Jesus says, you're not following after me. You're not pursuing me because of the signs and wonders. You're not pursuing after me because of the things that God's doing. You're pursuing after me because you want to eat. Now, somehow he knew that this had changed on the inside of them. He says in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes. How many of you all labor for the food that perishes? <laughs> Just about every week, right? We're out there at the job. Why are we working there? To get money, to buy food that perishes. He says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Now, of course, it's a good thing to go out there and work. The Bible tells us you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. It's a good thing to eat. How many of you all ate yesterday? How many of you ate this morning before you came? How many were glad? Yeah, eating's good. And you labor to have food for that. But if you put all your labor into just the, the food that perishes and no labor into the food that doesn't perish, you're going to be in trouble. So here's what he's talking to him about. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. What kind of food would that be? It'd be spiritual. It'd be the Word of God. It'd be the teaching. It'd be the, the things like this that come up. The, the things that God gives us. Revelation. Instruction. Teaching on the Word. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. So He's saying, you want the food that does not perish, and I'm the one who gives it out. Well, if he's the one who gives it out, shouldn't they seek him? But he's kind of rebuking them for seeking him. But see, it's the purpose. You seek me not because of the food that doesn't perish. You're seeking me for the food that does perish. He says, you need to get, you need to get changed on this. You need to seek after me for the food which doesn't perish. So he tells them they were seeking him. or He tells them why they were seeking him. Not for signs, but for daily bread. They wanted some daily bread to eat. Verse uh, 28. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent, whom he sent. This is the work of God. How many of you believe in Jesus that he sent? That's the work of God. Have you ever wondered, Boy, I want to do more of the work of God. This is one of it. Believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. That is the work of God. It's not the only work of God, but it is the work of God. Therefore, they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Really? Does anybody remember what happened yesterday? Now, there were a couple of things that happened on the day before this. First off, he fed 5,000 men, their wives, and their kids from a few loaves and a few fish. Do take note that after the feeding, what did he tell his disciples to do? Gather up all the fragments. In other words, he left nothing for them. He didn't leave them any food. He took it all with them. You can, you can kind of see why, can't you? Because they've switched, they switched over. Something switched on them, and now they want to pursue regular food. What sign will you perform then? Well, he fed 5,000, but beside that, he taught them all day truths from the Word of God. That they had not seen before. This minister to their spirit. Is that not a sign? We hadn't heard these things before. They would tell 
of the Jesus teaching, he teaches us not as the Pharisees and the scribes, he teaches us one who has authority. And they were amazed at his teaching. What's, and they come to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? In other words, if you want us to believe these things, you need to do something. Now look at what they go to. Verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, don't just look at this on the service. How did, how did God give them bread from heaven? In the morning, the, the, the stuff would rain down. They would gather it up, and they had food for the day. What would happen the next day? Bread would come down. They'd gather it up. They, you know, we didn't know the, the deal. Six days it came down. Seventh day, Sabbath day, it didn't come down. They were supposed to gather twice as much the day before. And, and so forth. What they're saying is, our fathers in the desert got bread every day. Let's see you top that. Let's see you at least do that. You give us bread every day. We'll follow you anywhere you want to go. You just give us bread every day. This is what they're relating it to. It's not just manna. It's that our fathers ate manna in the desert. They didn't just eat it one time. They ate it continually, didn't they? As it is written, they're going to quote scripture to them. That's always good. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Where did it come from? Well, they said it came from heaven. It came from above anyway. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Hmm. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. You all call it that, but that's not what it was. It was just natural bread. It was just regular food. My father, he gives supernatural bread. And this bread, how's it come? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who's he talking about? Himself, the Messiah, the Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's saying that, and he's going to say this later on, I am the bread of life. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. But you see, he is speaking to them in a spiritual principle. It's just like the scene at the table. He is talking in one language and they are hearing it in another. And then they speak from their perspective, we want natural food. We want natural bread. Remember the woman at the well? If you knew who it was who was speaking to you, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. How does she hear that? Give me this water, because then I won't have to go to the well anymore. She's hearing it in the natural. God often speaks to us supernatural principles which we hear naturally. And we try and put them to work and they don't work. Because we hear them the wrong way. It's just like that scene at the table. You've got two groups of people talking about different things. And each one gets ministered differently. Lord, give us this bread always. In other words, every day. Just keep bringing that bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. All right, if you're not getting this, I'm telling you, I am the one. He's not talking to just the regular group of people. This is the disciples. Not just the twelve, but the other ones that followed him. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. 
And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Does that mean you'll never want to eat again? No, because he is speaking on a spiritual level. They are hearing it on a physical, natural level. You cannot take what is spiritual and apply it to what is natural. Nor can you take what is natural and apply it to what is spiritual. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Well, is the Father going to give him some but not others? All that the Father gives me will come to me. Doesn't that sound like God has sectioned out certain people to be saved? Again, if you hear it in the natural, you're going to get that message. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That Just uh, moved my, lost my spot there. This is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God. God has a purpose. God has a will. God has a direction, a, a reason where he's going to send us. What he's going to do. We need to hear it. Jesus is saying, I am hearing the will of the Father, and I'm bringing that down here to you. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that, all, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Glory to God. That's a good thing. We like that promise. But then he goes on. He continues to move on here. Then the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which comes, which came down from heaven. Why can't they hear that? Now, the disciples know that this is the Christ. How did they know that? Well, the default disciples, because God had revealed it. Remember, Jesus came to them and said, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. He says, I am the bread which came down from heaven. This is the word that Jesus is teaching. What should the spirit of these people be saying to them? That's truth. That's right. That's what their spirit should be. Their spirit should be coming up and saying, that's truth. That's right. That's what should be happening. Remember on the road to uh, Emmaus? And the two disciples are walking and Jesus comes up to them. And they begin to talk about all the things that happened in Jerusalem. (coughs) How the Christ was was killed, crucified, buried. And now they're saying that he's resurrected. And they were talking to him and telling him about all these things. And then afterwards, Jesus revealed himself to them. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us when we talked? But they didn't hear it. They didn't respond to it. Down in your spirit, if you listen, you will get direction that says, this is truth. This is not. You will get that. And they should have been getting that about this. It should have been coming up in their spirit. Would the Spirit of God be in them, in their hearts? Would He not be saying, this is the truth. This is the Son of God. But we can shut it down. And we can not hear it. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that He says, I have come down from heaven? See, we've got a natural thing that's messing with us. I know where he came from. I know his parents. I know how he was born. Can't be, can't be the Messiah. He can't have come down from heaven. We know his parents. But didn't the Word of God say 
that Messiah would be born to a virgin? So they're looking for the Messiah to be born. But yeah, but this is Jesus. We we know him. Surely the we're we're not gonna he's not gonna grow up among us. We saw him grow up. You know, it's nothing special. How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? So something that they have in the natural is stopping them from hearing this. But Jesus is teaching them. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. It is never a good thing to murmur. You've told me one time in the Word of God where people murmured against someone and it worked out. Not a single time. Not a single time. I mean, it wasn't always earth opening up swallowing people, fire coming out from heaven. Sometimes it was, but not always was it that way. But it never ended well. Don't murmur. Keep that in mind. Just a side note. Verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Catch that? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last day. No one can come to me Unless the Father who sent me draws him. Does that mean that no one can get saved unless the Father okays it? Isn't this the second time we've seen this? Is it, is it true that only some people can be saved? But is that what, isn't Jesus saying? Apparently not everybody can come to him. Only those ones that the Father draws. Why would the Father not draw some people to the Messiah? Well, it's not a hard question to answer. So it's particularly easy after we got finished the last series we were on. Who does God resist? The proud. Can God draw the proud? No. Now think back again. We're going to go back to that movie clip we, we, we saw. Think about that table. The two guys over there talking about the war movie. Are they, do they have any chance of drawing that woman into the love they have for that war movie? Do you sense that she is resistant to that? Does the woman have any chance to draw the men into the, uh, what is it, Humphrey Bogart movie? Do they have any chance? Remember uh, Tom Hanks' response after she got done? Oh, that's a chick movie. <laughs> Did you get anything from him that he would be willing to sit down and to watch it with an open mind that maybe he might enjoy the movie? No, you didn't get that idea at all, did you? he's resistant to it. Is there any way that those two male characters can be drawn to sit down and watch that movie? No. Is there any way this woman is going to be uh, drawn to watch? I don't even know what the movie was. What was the movie they were describing? Dirty Dozen? All right. I don't think I've seen that movie. Um, But uh, (laughs) apparently they really enjoyed it and it sounded like people died. And so... um, Do they have any chance of moving her over? No. She's not drawn to that movie and they are not drawn to the other movie. So are they going to go? No. If you want to up to to the two characters, Tom Hanks and whoever the other guy is, I know his face, I don't know his name. But if you went up to him and said, this movie is just like that Humphrey Bogart movie, would they go? No. If you talked to the woman and said, this movie is just like the Dirty Dozen, what's she going to do? Oh, I don't want to go see that. Right? Can you, can you see what, what happens? On the inside, we have certain things we've, we've allowed in that we hold on to. And because of them, 
as soon as we are, are hear about something, no, no, I'm not going. The Father can't draw you. The Father called Jesus. The Father would like to draw you, but he can't. There's nothing he can get a handle on. God wants all to be saved. But the ones that he can draw are the ones that are open. The ones that are ready to hear. When you have pride in your heart, when your heart is messed up, God would try and reach out to you and you would just not even hear it. Not even hear it. How many of y'all know there's some people you've been ministering to, trying to get born again, they don't even want to hear it. It just seems like there's no handle to get hold of. All right, where we leave off at? Verse 44. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. He who believes in me has everlasting life. You need to believe in Jesus. There's a lot of Christians who do not live in such a way that they believe in Jesus. They know about him. It is different to know about Jesus and to believe in Jesus. Jesus even tells a story. He says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. And he would say, never knew you. Never knew you. You cannot just know about Jesus. You cannot just know he exists. You cannot just believe that he exists. You've got to believe in him. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the reason for life. And when he speaks, we respond. He says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. What kind of bread is he talking about? Spiritual bread, right? Now, remember back in the the disciples, after one of the feedings, I think the feeding of the 4,000, after that they get back into the boat, and Jesus says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they thought it was because we didn't take any bread. But Jesus didn't speak to them about bread. He spoke to them about the teaching of the Pharisees. That they, he described it as leaven. That a little leaven will filter, just filter all the way through the whole thing and ruin the whole loaf. Become part of the whole thing. He said you need to be careful about that. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But they couldn't hear the spiritual teaching. All they could hear was, we forgot to take bread. And so they got hung up on this bread thing. Just like these folks are getting hung up on this bread thing. What they're hearing is in relation to bread. And they can't get past that. I am the bread of life. Can he make it any more clear? I am the bread of life. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. All right, you want to use that example? They ate bread from heaven and they died. How's that? For I mean, he's just going to hit them here. He's hitting them hard. He keeps stepping this up. He keeps hitting them harder, trying to get them off of this bread idea. So he says, all right, you want to bring those guys in with Moses and the manna from heaven and stuff like that? They ate that bread and they died. They died in unbelief. They died in the wilderness. It was not good for them. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. <laughs> just can't get any more plain than that. I mean, it's just, it's just out there. They can't argue with it. They are all dead. There's none of them amongst them. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. The one that one may eat of it and not die. 
We're not talking about this physical bread. We're talking about another bread. If you eat this bread, you don't die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're still hung up on the bread. What do you do with bread? You eat it. You put it in your mouth. You chew it. You swallow it. You eat it. They're still hung up on this. He's not talking about natural bread. Therefore, he's not talking about natural eating. But everything that, they, that he says, they hear in this way. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They quarreled among themselves. Not talking to him. If, you know, it, there's, there's nothing stupider than talking to people who don't understand it. I mean, why in the world talk to other people? Do you understand that? No, I don't understand. Can we talk about this for a while? Maybe we can figure it out. Who should we talk to? Someone who has understanding, right? If you've got a problem with your car, do you go up to your neighbor? Do you know cars? I have no idea anything about cars. Good. Can I ask you some questions? <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? What do you want to do? You want to find somebody who knows something about cars and ask them. Well, Jesus is talking about this. Jesus has the answer. Why not ask him? But they don't do it. Because they're demonstrating the pride that's in their heart. Remember prideful people? They don't take instruction well. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Now we look at this and we say, Why does Jesus deal so harshly with them to give them this kind of a teaching? I mean, that is one nasty teaching. What can you do with that? We, we listen to that and we hear that. Man, that is tough. Why is He trying to hit them with this? Because they're not getting it up till now. If, you, if people aren't getting it, one of the things you can do is try and get them uh, upset, angry. Maybe they'll pursue it and get the, get the thing going. So he just lays it on out there to them. Look, you've got you to gotta eat it in the flesh. But they, they're just hearing it naturally. You've got to bite. You've got to chew. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He's talking about this flesh and blood body which came down. I am going to take it, put it on a cross, let it die, so that all people can live. And all you have to do is partake of that. How do you partake of that? You believe in Him. That's what He described. Just believe in the Son of Man. Receive the teaching. The Word of God said in, in John, first chapter. He said, the, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was... With God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. So if you do what Jesus teaches, then take the flesh to eat it, what are you doing? You're taking in the Word of God. Right? Because the Word became flesh. So what he's saying is, you need to take in the Word. I'm going to teach you the Word. I'm going to teach you the will of the Father. I'm going to teach you what I heard from the Father. And then I'm going to take this flesh and blood body, which is the Word, and I'm going to put it up on a cross so that all people can be born again. But they're still not getting it. So now he goes and he steps it up. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, Then most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... All right, you have a hard time with that? I was going to step it up even more. You've got to eat the flesh and drink the blood. Man, he is just messing with them. 
You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, you see what happens when you take a spiritual principle and try to understand it in the natural realm? You have problems. You'll struggle. I guarantee you, folks, any, any doctrine that the Bible is teaching you that you are struggling with, you are probably understanding it in a natural way. And the only way to get the right answer for it is to step back, let God give you the revelation of what He means, the revelation of what the spiritual principle is, and you'll understand it just fine. But see, people come out with this idea that the Bible is hard to understand. Well, it is hard to understand when you try and understand spiritual principles through natural ways. You can't do it. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. Verse 58. He who eats this bread will live forever. It's not going to be like those guys. Those guys ate the bread and died. You guys can eat this bread and live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Once you concur, it's a hard saying. How many have ever read over this and said, Man, this is tough stuff. I don't quite understand. What's he talking about? How am I supposed to, am I supposed to do that? Is he just talking about communion? Is it, was it, no, what he's talking about is the Word. It became flesh. And I need to get the Word of God on the inside of me. Well, why does he start bringing in the blood? Because what's the blood of, of Jesus Christ do? Forgiveness of sins. I need to receive that forgiveness of sins. Then I live forever. Put in your outline this. Natural cannot comprehend spiritual revelation. Natural cannot comprehend spiritual revelation. It can't do it. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Well, not people in the flesh. Even people that were Jews by birth, sought after Jesus, pursued teaching, were hungry even for the word, still they had a limit. Because there was a there was a hindrance for them to be able to hear what the Spirit of God was saying because of what they understood in the natural, because of what they received in the natural. He goes on here. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Who is it that he's talking about? When Jesus knew in himself, that means the Spirit of God revealed it to him, that his disciples complained about this. Who did? His disciples. Not the twelve. The other disciples. Those, don't, don't get this idea that the, the twelve are complaining. They are not. It is the other disciples are complaining. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does... This offend you. Spiritual principles offend Christians who are carnal. Spiritual principles offend Christians who are taken with pride. Spiritual principles offend Christians who refuse to let the Holy Spirit speak to them about what the thing means. If you have become offended because of a teaching that's in the Word of God, who's wrong? You better get it fixed. 
If not, you're going to be pulled out from the life of God. You need to get get it. Yeah, but you don't know what so-and-so did. I don't care what so-and-so did. You need to get into the Word. You need the Word to get hold of you. You need to have understanding of it. It's a matter of life and death. Jesus says the Word of God needs to be on the inside of you. You need to, to eat it, is how he puts it. You need to drink his blood. And he's not talking about that stuff pulsing through his veins. It's a spiritual principle. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? He says, if this offends you, what are you going to do when you see the Son of Man, me, go back up and sit on the throne next to God? That's, that's, that's Joseph's boy. What's he doing there? That'll really bother you. It is the Spirit who gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. It is not the law. It is not a set of rules and regulations. It is the Spirit who gives life. If you are going to stay out of things, it needs to be because the Spirit of God is leading you there. And if the Spirit of God is leading you there, it's going to bring life to you. That's why we were talking about last week. Some of us, when we were... We were growing up. We didn't drink because we weren't allowed to. But there's eventually going to come a day when you're allowed to. No one's going to stop you. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what helps you spiritually? Or are you going to do what you want to do? There was a time when we were young, we didn't cuss because we weren't allowed to. But as you got older, you found out, you know what? I'm on my own. I can cuss if I want to. Does it help you? But you've got to make that decision on your own. You've got to come to that place on your own. You've got to do that because it's in you. Because it's the Spirit of God that's in you. When we're young, we go to church because mom and dad made us. When we're older, we don't have to go anymore. When we're young, we worship God because mom and dad made us. When we're older, we don't have to do it anymore. You've got to make that decision. What am I going to do? One will give you life. And one will not. But you've got to do it because it's on the inside of you. If it's not on the inside of you, probably His Word is not there. If His Word is not there, what is He teaching you? You can eat manna all day long. You're still going to die. What He's talking about with that, get the idea, you can be in the presence of God every day where miracles are going on around you every day and manna is falling almost every day. Six out of seven days, manna falls and you go out and collect it. You can be out there where the cloud is there by day and the fire by night. And every day you look up and you see the presence of God. And that will not bring you life. What brings you life is the Word of God on the inside of you. That's what brings you life. And you see that Jesus is, is, is trying to get this across to him, trying to teach him this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Nothing. Doesn't do a thing. No matter how much good you do in your flesh, it will profit you nothing. You might have a little bit of profit here in this life, but as soon as you die, what do you got? Nothing. Zip. So what did it profit you? Nothing. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The what does? The what is? The words 
He's getting back over here to the words. I'm not talking about eating flesh and blood. I'm saying the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You need to take hold of them, get the revelation of them, put them in your life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Again, we've got a good crowd here. This is, this is people who like the word. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. He knew from the beginning. Ever wondered, did Jesus know who was going to betray him? Apparently he did. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. He's back on this again. This is like the third or fourth time he said this. No one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. How does the father grant it? You've got an open heart. You hear the leading of the spirit and you follow after it. Then it's granted. So again, we already gave you this one, but are there some that the Father would not grant? Those who are full of pride. He finishes it up here in verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. These are people who walked with him on a regular basis. But apparently up until yesterday, they were buying their own food, bringing their own stuff. But yesterday, things changed and Jesus supplied it. And they thought, oh, it's going to be just like it was in the days of the wilderness. We just follow after Jesus, just like they follow after Moses, and we get fed. It's going to be good. Like this. Then Jesus said to the twelve, see, they're still there. The other disciples, many of them, had walked on. But he looked to the twelve. There may have been still some other disciples there, but he looked at the twelve. Do you also want to go away? In other words, he's given an open door. You want to go? Go ahead. You want to go? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Even if Peter doesn't fully understand what Jesus has said, has he not spoken the light of that revelation? Even if he's still puzzled over this, he said to Jesus, you have the words of life. Wow. Either he gets it or he's about to. You have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Now, if you just gave a message and they didn't get it and you got a little tougher with them and they didn't get it and you got a little tougher with them and they still didn't get it, so you got really tough with them and they left. And your 12 disciples decided we're going to stay. How many of you, if you were were Jesus, are happy right now? I'm really glad for you guys. Appreciate you guys. You guys have stuck with them. You're going to talk them up a little bit? No, that's not Jesus. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have come to believe this and we know it, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. Doesn't that just fit? I mean, isn't that just the kind of thing you want to put right here? <laughs> Did I not choose you? I chose, you all, chose all twelve of you. No one else chose I chose all twelve of you. Yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So he gets them an invitation. Do you all want to go? They said, no. Now, now look at this. We went from yesterday. I mean, yesterday was a high point in the ministry. We have lots of people out. If you had 5,000 men, their wives, and their kids out of the meeting, that's a good-sized meeting. 
so big you didn't have any place that you could, I guess you could meet in. So they met out in the wilderness. And Jesus is teaching them, this is a good day. We had a great miracle. I'm sure people were healed and set free and so forth or anything. But afterwards, great miracle with the fish and the loaves. And it's just, I mean, the disciples got in a boat. And then Jesus comes walking to them on the water. They get, he gets in the boat. They end up on the other side. The people said, hey, he wasn't in the boat. Now he's over there. How'd he get there? They asked Jesus, how'd you get there? He doesn't answer many questions. He gets into this whole thing. We had a great day yesterday. And now all of a sudden we went from a really fantastic day. It looked like the ministry was just going to explode to everybody's gone. And he says to the 12, you all want to go to? You can go if you want to. In our life, there are many things that will come to us for which we lack understanding. I wrote a few of these things in here. There will be revelations. You can get revelations from God that you do not have the understanding of. There will be situations. How many of you have been involved in situations that you do not understand? Why did this happen to me? Right? I don't understand. Why did this? I've been serving God. I've been doing good. Why did this happen to me? I got situations going on. I don't understand them. Complications. How many of you have some complicated things going on? I don't know what to do. If I do this, it looks like this will happen. If I go this way, it looks like this will happen. It's, it's complicated. I'm not sure what to do. I don't really have a full understanding of it. I'm not sure what to do. God needs to help me out with this thing. How am I supposed to take care of these people problems? How am I supposed to take care of these health problems? How am I supposed to take care of... I'm, it's all complicated. I don't understand. I see what the Word of God says here, but it doesn't seem to be working for me here. It's complicated, right? Persecutions. You're out there serving God and people are picking on you for it. That's just a few of the things. But revelations, situations, complications, persecutions. We can get involved in some of these things and we can lack for understanding what's going on. How does this happen? And we can be in the same situation that they are. We can try and understand what the Spirit of God is telling us through natural means. We've got something natural on the inside of us. And that's a hang-up. And everything that Jesus says, everything that the Spirit of God speaks to us, we keep hearing through this natural thing. And we can't get past it. We have three choices when we are faced with a situation that we do not understand. Three choices in which we can do. The first one, we can bolt. We can bolt. Just make for the door and go. Just like the uh, disciples here, they didn't understand what was going on. It was tough. So they bolted. Out the door. Gone. Isn't that what you can do? You don't understand what God is doing in your life? How many of y'all know people? They bolted. They said, you know what? I don't understand. I'm gone. Is understanding going to come? No. This is like the group of people. They went and they talked to people who didn't understand. Do you understand what he's saying? No. Can we talk about this some? You bolt. That's not going to help. It's not going to happen. Here's the second thing you can do. This is what you'll know people that do this. I'm sure no one here. But you'll know people that do this. Uh, if they don't bolt, they stick around and they bluff. Right? They, they bluff. Did you get that? Sure did. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, man, I'll tell you. That just really ministered to me. Can you explain it to me? I don't know if I can explain it real well. You know, but, man, it was good. Oh, it was, it was good. I just don't know if I can explain it real well. But um, you, you, you stay with it. You'll get it. Right? We, we, we go around, we bluff. We got a lot of Christians who walk around, they're bluffing. They got nothing in their hand, but they're telling you, they're acting like they got a full house. 
they got nothing going on there. They're just bluffing. Did you get that? Sure did. I mean, the Spirit of God is moving, and they're not feeling anything at all. And they're seeing people slain and out and doing all sorts of stuff. And so what do they do? They bluff. Well, I guess they just, I'll just pretend like, and they'll look like they're, they're doing that. I just love the story that uh, Brother Keith told one time. He was driving Brother, Brother Higgin around. And uh, Brother Higgins in the back seat, and he's in the driver's seat. His wife is in the passenger seat. I think Aretha was there in the back seat with uh, Brother Higgins as well, and they're driving. And then all of them are going to the meeting. They're going to the meeting. He's driving them to the meeting. They're going to the meeting. All of a sudden, Brother Higgins lets out this big, Whee! You all feel that? And Brother Keith said, I didn't feel a thing. I don't know what he was talking about. I felt zip. There's nothing to be But he really responded. It's like the Spirit of God is moving. We're on the way to the meeting. I don't want to miss God. I don't want him to think I'm not spiritually ready. I don't want him to think I'm not sensing what's going on. We're on the way to the meeting. He's letting me drive him to the meeting. He, he, he said, pressure was there. Did you just say, yeah, boy, that was good. Oh, I feel that in the presence of God. Sure. And uh, so Brother Keith says, well, the best thing is don't lie to the man of God. He said, so he just said to him, he says, I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> he says, yeah, me neither. <laughs> don't bluff don't bluff if you don't understand ask Jesus these folks should just say I don't understand I don't know how can we do this remember Nicodemus he comes to him and says how can a man be born again can he enter again into his mother's womb and Jesus he, he, but he's asking the right guy he's asking the right guy so we can we can bolt or we can bluff that's not going to get you an answer, though. That's what a lot of Christians do. They sit around and they bluff. Pretend like you understand. Or we can bunk. Bunk. B-U-N-K. We can bolt, we can bluff, or we can bunk. Just bunk right in there. Just stay on down. I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. I'm going to bunker on down. I'm going to bunk right here. I'm going to stay until I get it. That's what the disciples did. We said, where else are we going to go? We're going to, we are going to stay right here. We're going to stay right here. you got the words of life. If we're going to understand this, it's going to be right here. We're going to understand it. We're not going to understand it anyplace else. We're going to understand it right here. you got three choices. Bolt. Get out of town. Bluff. Pretend like you understand. Or bunk. Stay until you get it. Stay until you get it. Father God, I don't have understanding of that. You know I don't have understanding of that. But I'm going to stay here until I do. I'm hearing something that you're saying, but I'm hearing it through something natural, and it's messing me up. So I just ask that you reveal what that thing is so I can get rid of that, and I can understand what you're saying the way that you're saying it. Discern the voice of the Spirit. Discern the voice of the Spirit. Understand what the Spirit of God is saying. The twelve decided that though we don't understand what He is teaching, we will only discover it by staying. We will only discover it by staying. There are probably many things that you don't quite yet understand about the Word of God, about what's going on in your life, about your situations, about persecutions that might be coming to you, about revelations. That may have come to you or come to others. Complications that are happening in your life. There may be many of these things going on. 
And the enemy wants to come along and he wants to tell you to, you know what, just get out of town. Just get away from all this religious stuff. Just get away from all this spiritual stuff. Or he says, just, just pretend like you know. Just pretend. Just bluff. But see, that's not what the Spirit of God is going to lead you to do. The Spirit of God is going to say, if you don't know, ask. The Word of God says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You need to ask. And God will give liberally to those that he really likes. No, he'll give liberally to all who ask. He will give it to you. Father God, I thank you. I don't quite understand what this situation is that I face, but you do. And I thank you that you will speak to me. And I'm going to stay right here until I get that answer. I'm going to hear from your spirit what it is that you want to say to me. What's your choice? Is it easier for you just to bolt? Is it easier just just to bluff your way through? Just pretend so you look good to other people? Or are you going to bunker down? Stay with it. I don't know, but I'm going to get it. Brother Hagin used to always use the example of a bulldog. I never had a bulldog. But if you've ever had a bulldog, he used that as an example. He says, when a bulldog gets hold of a thing, they don't let go. They don't let go. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can hang the dog in the air. He will not let go of that thing he's got. You need to grab hold of what it is, just like a bulldog does, and says, I'm not letting go. I'm hanging on to this. I am hanging on to this, and I am going to find out what the answer is. Because God wants to minister to you. But too often, we're just like these folks, and we're hearing the spiritual instruction he's given us somehow through a filter of something natural. And we can't understand it. We can't understand it. But God will speak to you. His spirit is, is ready. Ready to teach us, instruct us, and to help us. We've got to let go of some of these things. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to understand all the things that we need to know. Your word speaks to us. It gives us revelation. It gives us understanding. Situations, the complications, the persecutions, all the things that we are facing in life. We can understand. And we can walk in the knowledge of what it is that you want to do. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to come to the right conclusion and not be misled. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some praise reports we'd like to, uh, to hear. If you didn't get yours in, raise your hand. We'll usher, we'll get you, a, get you a card you can write down on. Praise reports from Candy. She said that um, their electric bill went down from $195 to $166. So they received favor from God in that area. So thank God for that. Um, Bruce, <laughs> we're going to get these. What are those spectacle holders that you put over your neck? This is the second time he's done this. He's lost his glasses. And he said before he rushed back to the restaurant where he thought he left it, um, he was led by the Holy Ghost to check under the car where they had dropped and they were sitting right under a tire and had they not 
looked, they would have been crushed. So thank you for the Holy Ghost. Um, Ray said that this week <clears throat> the Lord gave him insight into a, a work challenge that he had been struggling with. Um, so God gave him insight into that and how to deal with it. So praise God. <clears throat> Another favor here, she said, this is from Phyllis. She said, we received some harvest from seed that had been sown. And um, it was, as always, it was very timely. Um, so she's expecting more harvest to come. It does come back. <clears throat> Uh, another, this was the week of favor. <laughs> Tony says, I received an extra $500. Praise God. Pay down her bills. Um, another one on favor. This was from Ethel. She said that, uh, and this, you know, does not happen often, so this was definitely God at work. Um, reverse of the IRS on her Pennsylvania return, which they first denied a portion of her business expenses. But they said now they will be refunding the original amount of the refund and what they said she owes. <laughs> Praise God. Um, Candy, this was one on healing. You know, last week we prayed for her. Her ankles were, were all swollen and she couldn't stand. She said, absolutely, she's up and going. She said she prayed and expected God to work, and he did. She said before she knew it, the pain was gone, and Friday was the first day she could put her shoes on her feet. And I think Miss Burt has a praise report this morning, too. She came up front for prayer for her ankle, which she could not move. It was swollen, and after we prayed, she said she felt a little burning there, and um, it was gone. The pain was gone, and now she can move her foot. Hallelujah. Any other ones? No other praise reports? Well, praise God. All right. Alyssa had a word that she... Uh had she said for a little while, do you want to come share that? <coughs> she said you had it for a little while, but it uh, seems like it's something that goes beyond to just her. So I had it, and I was like, oh, yay, me. And then I, every Sunday I keep getting convicted to share it, and I was like, okay, maybe it's not just for me. Um, but then I was like, well, I don't have the exact words. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say. But basically there was a Sunday a couple, I guess it probably a couple months ago now, when Jolly got up, he was – and I, I can't even tell you the rest of what he said. I just know he said the phrase, a sacrifice of praise. And it kind of jumped in my head. And I'm like, a what? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. Why are we, what's a sacrifice in praise? We're supposed to like praise and we're supposed to, you know, strive for that and go into that. And I kind of just got pictures of, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it, like fire just burning up stuff. And, you know, in the Old Testament, they would give a praise or a sacrifice, and that sacrifice was forgot. You don't give a sacrifice and then go and take little bits back from it. Oh, I didn't mean to give that. No, whoops, that's my apple. And you don't do that. So it's the same way in praise. When you come to praise, you lay down whatever that burden is, whatever burden you're bringing. You put it down, and you praise, and you cannot pick it back up. It stays there at the altar as that sacrifice. So you can't come the next Sunday and, oh, I'm still worshiping through that. I'm still praising through that. You left that there before. So... Leave it there. Don't take it back. And I'm, I'm learning it, and I'm, I'm working on that. But that, again, I've been going through that for months, and I think that that's apropos for everybody. So leave it there. Don't take it back. It's not for you anymore. It's his. Mm. Easy to take stuff back, isn't it? 